we live in a world which is full of sin, a world that is full of disaster and tragedy, the effects of sin seen in real life. You don't have to look very far, turn your television on, and you see the horrible effects of sin in somewhere like Ukraine. But it's not just Ukraine, is it? Before that, we had Afghanistan. Since that time, we've had Syria, we've had uh, Sudan, Nigeria. I could list place after place after place. And it's not just wars, is it? Volcanic eruptions and earthquakes, tsunamis like we had in Tonga earlier this year. Look at our own nation. Flood after flood after flood. I wonder what we're to do with all this sin, all this pain, all this suffering, this cursed earth on which we live. How do we make sense of it? How are we going to save ourselves from it? I want to say that, in a sense, what we see on the news and hear about each day is nothing new. There have been wars like the war in Ukraine or uh, anywhere else, year on year on year. There have been disasters like those in Tonga, year on year on year, and floods like those in Australia, year on year on year. In fact, the Bible, as it chronicles the story of the people of God rebelling, chronicles a story of war and violence and disaster year on year on year. And the Bible tells that story because the Bible is chronicling the human story. And the human story is one of sin. Genesis 1 to 3, the opening chapters of the Word of God, tell us that our good God made the world good and he made humans in his image. But we rebelled and ever since have been reaping the consequences of trying to live life our way instead of God's. And from chapter 3 onwards, the story of human sin grows and grows and grows. But with it, grace. At every point, at every time, God in his love for those humans like you and me, he created in his image, God meets them with his grace and mercy. The Apostle Paul writes it like this in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. But the dominant theme of the Bible, if you're looking for some way to hold the whole story together, is a story of sin, human sin, its diabolical consequences, but God's love and grace in spite of it and his plan to save us from it. And it's in that story of human sinfulness and God's gracious salvation that our story today takes centre stage. Every story has a beginning, a middle and an end. We have the high point right here, the middle of our story, Jesus on the cross, 
betrayed and abandoned, unjustly tried, flogged and mocked, dying as an innocent man. In this story, we have God dealing with the problem of sin once and for all, paying the price that could never be paid, making a way for you and me to save, to find salvation. When we look at our world, I wonder how you think we might solve some of those problems that I chronicled at the start. Perhaps uh, in a season like the one we're in at the moment in Australia, it's tempting to think that our politicians would save us. I think you've got to be under 35 uh, to think that, th that they've got any hope. <laughs> But I don't know about you, but I'm a bit worried if we need to be saved by ScoMo, saved by Albo, or saved by, I don't know what Adam Bant's nickname is, but whatever his nickname is, how we could be saved by him either. If that's our only hope, what hope do we have at all? Human beings are good at looking down the wrong avenues for salvation. Whether it's worldly leaders, though having good ones is good, or whether it's through solving some perceived crisis, though solving crises is good, whatever it is, wherever we look for salvation, we will always fail because no solution deals with the root cause, sin. We have to look in one place only, 2,000 years ago at Golgotha, on a cross between two criminals, there's a man named Jesus. He didn't need to be, he didn't deserve to be there, but as he hung there, innocent of all charges, the Son of God dealt with our sin. Our Heavenly Father justly punished him for our sin so that he could justly Forgive us the great exchange, as it's known, where Jesus dies so that we can live. At that place, on that cross, we find his grace abound as he says, I'm doing this for you. And each of us here today needs this gift in Romans, we read, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, the consequences is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The root cause of all the brokenness, all the pain, all the suffering, it's sin. And of course, it's easy to see that, isn't it, when someone like Putin amasses power and wealth, and decides to exercise his pride and his arrogance with the help of his army and invade a whole country. And yet, we're not all that different. We can be led by our pride, our sin, to rule our own kingdoms in our own ways, to reject God's rule and reign, and of course, it might be a lot more subtle. We don't quite have the resources to amass behind us like Putin does. 
But nonetheless, it's in each of us the desire to reject God and make ourselves king. Good Friday reminds us that Jesus went to the cross to deal with that, to pay the price that that rebellion deserved. He went to the cross so that we could live. As we heard at the very start, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our, our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This Good Friday, all of us need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need to turn to him, to accept that his death is what we deserved, and to accept the free gift of salvation, to acknowledge that he has paid the price so that we can enjoy eternity with him and ultimately we can see the world as it was meant to be when he returns and brings the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm.